0: Amen. So my heart tonight is to just bring a teaching to you. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm taking it back. Like we're we're going to take a couple steps back, and I just really I'm feeling this nudge to bring some basic teaching to the house. And I think it's good that we never just leave foundations and I think it's good that we every once in a while take a step back and so when I tell you tonight that I'm teaching on prayer some of you will instantly be like oh gosh another message of prayer I want you to understand something prayer is probably I would say one of the most fundamental forceful functions of every believer you you don't get to be a believer and not pray. You don't get to call yourself a Christian and not pray. I love that the Bible says and when you pray. In other words, it's not it's not it's not it's not like, you know, certain class, certain color. It is when you. Who? My followers, my believers. When you pray, pray like this. And so it's 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 in a, it's An initiative type statement that says you're going to do it. You're going to pray. And so tonight I want to take a discipleship type approach. As if I was teaching a class on prayer and I want to teach to you on prayer. I think it's amazing. And we're going to look at the text in a few moments. That all the things, and I know some of y'all that have been with me, if you've been with me more than two years, you've heard me say this statement before. But I believe it's so fundamentally true and powerful that out of all the things that Jesus' disciples could have asked him to teach them, teach us to feed 5,000, teach us to raise the dead, teach us to cast out devils, teach us, teach us, teach us to walk on water, anything they could have asked, collectively as a group, we find in, in Luke 11 that they come with one petition. Teach us to pray. Why? Because I believe that it is this one fundamental function, prayer, that everything else flows from. I believe that if we are absent of prayer, we will be absent of, of raising the dead. We will be absent of casting out devils. We will be absent. Come on, somebody. But see, I believe that the disciples watching and, and, proceed, and proceeding into the life of Jesus realized that everything that was flowing from his life was directly committed to his constant lifestyle of prayer. Jesus was constantly in prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit tonight. So Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And I'm going to put a disclaimer on this. I don't know. This may be like a broken series. And what I mean by that is, I'm just sharing my heart. Something that I felt like was this would be a good message to take and put in an archive under discipleship. So when new believers, because I believe that the church is headed towards a massive harvest. Yes. The church, the global church. Amen. And I believe that we got to start preparing Amen. the barn yes. for harvest. Yes. And so I'll be honest with you. My heart in this, in this message as I was praying and just asking the Lord what to talk to you about this week. I felt the Lord instruct me to begin to compile discipleship style teachings so that when people come in they can say here you're a new believer, you need to listen to this message on prayer, you need to listen to this message about the importance of the word, my God I'm ta- I feel the Holy Ghost on that or here you need to watch because we have a, you know incredible media team that records and streams but stand with me please for the reverence of reading God's word That's not formality. That's not church. The Bible is clear that when the scrolls were opened, the Word of God was read in the temple, that they would reverently stand. Because you do understand something, right? This is the Word of God. Like, that's amazing to me. This is the Word of God. (laughs) Luke 11 and verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying In a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray just as john taught his disciples father as we come before you tonight we're so thankful that as we stand in this place it's not absent of your presence you're here undeniably uncontrollably you're here father i would ask that in these moments that these words, your words, would be like the words spoken to the two young men walking down the road to Emmaus. Father, it said in your word that as you walked and talked with them that their hearts burned within them. God, I don't desire to perform. I desire to impart. Impart a burning in the hearts of the hearers. God, impart a burning to the hearts of the hearers tonight. That our hearts would burn within us. As your word is taught, spoken, preached, declared that we would receive it as the very word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I find it intriguing that in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says that one day while Jesus was pl- praying in a certain place, it's intriguing on the fact that if you paint the picture of Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, then Jesus is seen praying, but shortly after his prayer, the disciples come and they say, Hey, teach us to pray. In other words, I believe Jesus prayed in such a way that got people's attention for them to say, Man, I want what he's got. And so my challenge to you tonight is, is do, we, uh, do, we, do we move in such a manner? Do we speak in such a manner? Do we live in such a manner that when people see us, they say, hey, teach me about what you got. And so Jesus is praying, and, and, and another, you know, just a nugget inside of that is that he is in a certain place. Somebody say a certain place. And so that we find that, that Jesus was intentional with his prayer life. Certain place. It was a place that was specific. specific. It wasn't just anywhere. It was a certain place. And, and so I want to I teach you tonight on the, on the fact that, you know, one of the most powerful concepts that you can in, 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 induce in your life of prayer is having a place to pray. Yeah. Yeah. See, I believe if we're not specific in prayer then we will often be scattered in prayer and we will not be effective in prayer. But I believe if we have a certain place to pray or even a certain time, and I'm going to talk about religious prayer in a minute. I I don't want you to think that prayer is confined to a place. But I do believe that we are people that uh, operate better under organization and structure. That if we have something somewhere at some time, then we would say, hey, I got to be specific in this. I'll tell you, you know, my place of prayer is super spiritual, very spiritual. It's got... A V six with twin turbos in it, leather interior. I mean that's my place of prayer. My vehicle, my truck is my prayer closet. So don't 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 get caught up in the religious talk of thinking that you need to have candles lit and some rug from Jerusalem and you gotta go in there and I'm not no, I'm not saying that. But I'll tell you this, that I am not as intentional when I get in my vehicle to turn on the radio as I am to turn on my ear to hear what God is saying. Do you hear what I'm t- I'm telling you tonight? Yeah. So I think that we have to get to an, uh, 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 an understanding that when we are specific to a certain place and we're specific to a certain uh, 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 regimen, if you will, uh, where we set aside time to pray. If you don't make time to pray, you'll never pray. But watch this. I, I, I want to break this down. So Luke 11, the, the disciples, they tell him, hey, teach us how to pray. And he and he does. But Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to come to you out of the message version. Before you all throw it up, hold up. I know you all quick quick draw McGraw up there tonight. Matthew 6 and verse 6. I want to read it out of the message translation, but I want you to understand something. And what I'm about to say is probably going to be offensive to some of you, but you'll be all right. You'll get over it. The message, if you told me that you read the message Bible, I would tell you that you really can't call it a Bible. The message translation is more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a, a P, I believe, where you um, paraphrase. paraphrase. Thank you. Anointed Pastor Linda, come up with the word. The message translation is more of a paraphrasing, okay, but watch this because I'm I'm feeling, I'm feeling instructional tonight. If you're a newer believer and you would get caught up in all the thou's, the hast, and, and, and what, whatever King James version may throw you off. If you're caught up on the thou's and the hast, then find a translation that's suitable to where at least you understand the word. Do you hear what I'm saying? But so I love the message translation because I can go there and I can get somebody else's perception of what the verse is saying. So watch this. This is so incredibly powerful. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Watch what, how the message translation says this. Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Here's what I want you to do. Somebody say, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Jesus I feel you on this version it is anointed but just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage Hmm. but watch what will happen the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace so so We find that in this Matthew 6, Jesus, in in other translations, he says, go in your room, shut the door. But I love how the message version puts it because, let's be honest, I think a lot of times a lot of us pray from a (laughs) role-playing. Oh, God, don't let us role-play before you. See, I believe God wants us to pray, though, from a place of grace. Because I'll tell you that one of the greatest struggles you will find in a moment of prayer is that when you bow in prayer, wherever that is, you will find that the enemy will try to tell you every reason why you do not deserve to be there in prayer. And so I wonder if Jesus' instructions in this, in this context is more along the lines of, of finding a place. Yeah, you need to find a place. Jesus went to a certain place, John chapter 11. But I, I wonder if we need to be more, uh, more, more intentional on finding a place of grace to pray from. Knowing that we can boldly come before the throne of God in our time of need. And so, literally, I've taken this scripture and I've begun to humble my heart to a place to pray from a place of grace. When the enemy says, don't pray, he's he's not going to hear you, you don't deserve to be there, you know, you're this, you're that, blah, 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 everything the enemy will tell you. My answer back, because I'll talk to the devil too sometimes. I'm like, you're right. I don't deserve to be here. But he said I can be. I'm, pl- I'm praying from a place of grace. You're right. I, I don't deserve to be here. But my God, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I don't deserve to be here. He saved me just in time. Sorry. Sorry. I was watching some Lindo Cooley earlier today. Got me. If y'all don't know who that is, research him. But I think one thing that we find, you can take the scripture down if you, thank you. I think one thing that we find though is that Jesus was constant in prayer. And it was a no matter what happened in his life, he remained in a place of prayer. I think a lot of times we wait for something bad to happen, then we get, we become prayer warriors. Yeah, we become prayer warriors when things get bad. But what would happen if we lived in a constant state of prayer? See, Jesus' life got, got crazy like a lot of ours. There was a lot of things, polling and and distra- He had people lying on him, betraying him. He was dealing with a Roman government. Y'all y'all mad because you're dealing with the United States government? He was dealing with a Roman government that it was their way or, or, or no way. And, and he was they were trying to kill him. But Jesus remained constant in prayer. Regardless of what was going around in his life, he, he remained constant in prayer. And Jesus constantly sought the Father in prayer because this is what I know. That prayer is directly connected to the presence of God. Now watch this. When you get the presence of God, there is a relinquishing of the power of God. Why is the church absent of power? It's not absent of power. It's absent It's not absence of of God's presence. It's absent of prayer. If we get prayer in the house of God, in the lives of believers, prayer connects us to God's presence. God's presence connects us to the power. And now all of a sudden we see people of prayer walking in God's presence and demonstrating his power. That's good right there. So if we want what Jesus had, we got to pray like Jesus prayed. But so many of us don't. We don't have what Jesus had. Why? Because we don't pray like Jesus prayed. And I'm not saying uh, his script. I'm saying his surrender. It was his lifestyle. It was who he was. Jesus understood that prayer was not just what he did. Prayer was who he was. And he knew that, that prayer has to be a lifestyle. Can I? I just need to jump off track real quick. I will tell you that some of the most powerful prayers I have ever heard have come from some of the most non religious people I've ever met. Matter of fact, uh, the prayer that got a hold of, uh, of my heart when I prayed for, for God to save me was these words God, I've made a mess out of my life, and if you're real. If you're real. <laughs> Some people be like, well, there's no faith in that. No way God heard it. That's funny because in two weeks, my life radically transformed. God said, all right, you give me an if, I'm going to show you I'm real. But, but, but listen, there was no churchology in there. Kyle hadn't read a Bible ever in his whole life. God, if you're real, I've made a mess out of my life. And so we got to understand that it's more of a posture of our heart than the words that we're even speaking. I believe when we pray, God wants to really know how we feel because he already knows. He said we have not because we ask not. But yet he already knows what we have need of before we ask it. Do you see that? Line upon line, precept upon precept. We find out that we have not because we ask not, but he already knows what we have need of. I think a lot of times God's just waiting to do what we want him to do when we get real with him and tell him why we need him to do it because of where we are and who he is but so many of us want what Jesus had but we refuse to live the life of prayer that Jesus had so we struggle through and don't pray but i want to talk to you i want to give you three three reasons why i believe many of us don't live lives of prayer the first one if you're taking notes tonight will simply be because some of us just lack focus And we are easily distracted. And you know what I'm talking about. Like some of you go to prayer and you're praying. You're like, God, I just thank you. You're so good. Did I leave the washing machine on? And oh, my gosh, if I left the washing machine on, it's going to overflow. It's going to ruin the floors. I wonder what kind of floors Lowe's has on sale right now. Maybe I could run under homeowner's insurance. Oh, sorry, God. God, you're so... And the truth of it is, that is how a lot of our prayers sound is because we get so... We we don't have lives of prayer because we don't have any focus and we're so easily distracted. Many of us pray with ADD. We be praying and all of a sudden, phone ring. It's like, hold on, God. Yeah, oh oh my gosh. No way. Belk is having a 20% sale. Oh my gosh, I got to get down there. 20 minutes later, we come back. Anyways, God, as I was saying... Many of us don't live a life of prayer because we do not possess a life of focus enough. Jesus was constantly focused, but catch this, he was focused because he wasn't afraid to cut people off. He wasn't afraid to cut off the things, the people, the places. It said he went to a certain place. He had to get away from the distractions. When he got away from the distractions, he was easily able to commit himself to prayer. You know, some of us, we're so biblical in prayer. Like, we like the two disciples that went with prayer, to prayer with Jesus. The Bible says, and he went a stone throw on to pray. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's like, you know, going to bow down and pray. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he gets up, turns around, and they're fast asleep. Some of us, the only way we go to sleep is by, oh, we're going to go to prayer. We begin to pray. I'm not knocking you. Listen, I've done it. You start to pray, and it's like you just enter into the peace of the Lord. And Jesus rebukes the disciples and said, can you not watch him pray with me for one hour? What happened? They lost focus. The second reason why many of us don't live lives of, of, of constant prayer is simply because many of us lack confidence. The Bible says if a heart condemns us not, then we have confidence with God. And I'm going to tell you that I believe one of the most damaging things to many new believers is that you have been encountered too many church people. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about them prayer warriors. Like when they pray, it looks like they got a whole arm of like stripes down their sleeves. They're like, man, I I I don't even pray because like I like my prayer is like, Good Lord, good meat, good God, let's eat. I'm not knocking you. I'm not. I promise you what I'm telling you is this, that many of us don't pray because we, we lack confidence in prayer. But watch this. God doesn't care about the volume. This is coming from probably the loudest guy in the room, okay? And I'm going to tell you straight that volume does not determine validity, You can be the loudest prayer in the room. You can pray. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that God even hears it. The Bible tells the story of a religious person who comes in and he begins to beat his chest and pray aloud. And then there's another man much more humble. And he says, says, oh God. And the Bible says that God didn't hear his prayer who was loud and obnoxious what he heard the prayer of somebody who prayed sincerely from their heart so like you can pray like bishop jakes all day that don't mean god's going to hear you because at the end of the day god is looking at the intent of your heart he's looking at the sincerity of your heart and when you pray he's not listening to how you're saying it he's listening to what you're saying And so let me give some encouragement and confidence. You say, well, I don't pray like him. Good. God don't want you to pray like him. He wants you to pray like you. And so we find that many of us don't pray because we lack the focus. We lack confidence. But then simply, I think the last reason why many of us don't live a life of constant prayer is because we just lack faith. And the truth is and this is a very this is very touchy of what I'm going to talk on. Some of you don't pray anymore because you prayed for mom and daddy to not get a divorce and they still did. Some of you don't have faith my God I'm going to help you. Some of you don't pray as often as you should because you prayed for people to be healed and you didn't see them healed. And so What you have to understand is that it's an attack on your faith. Why? To stop you from praying. Why? Because prayer is directly connected to God's presence. God's presence is directly connected to God's power. Many of us are backslidden, not because we're a bunch of sinners, but we're backslidden because we're backslidden from the place of prayer. That if the enemy can ever convince us to quit talking to God, then we will quit getting instruction, we'll quit getting discernment, we'll quit getting revelation, we'll quit encountering his presence, and we'll quit walking in his power. So many of us don't pray simply because we lack faith. And, and, I, 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 and I, I really believe that there's people that live their life thinking like prayer only works for some people. Listen to me. You don't need a religious garment. You don't need a religious title. You don't need to be a church leader. I, I, there's an old gospel song. It, Pastor Wayne Parker used to sing it. It was called "I Can Pray," and the words of the song are so powerful because the, the the song tells a story about how you know I can't preach and I can't do this, but I can pray. And then it goes on to say, but I can pray till the walls come down, till there's healing all around. I can pray. It is one thing that every believer can do in this room is you can pray. You're commissioned to pray. You're expected to pray. You're anointed to pray. You don't need to pray like him. You don't need to pray like her. You need to pray like you. And you need to pour your heart out to God. And when you do, he hears you. He hears you. A book that I read that changed my life uh, dramatically Uh, when I was young in the ministry was a book called Why Revival Terries by Leonard Ravenhill. If you ever want a good book to read, read it. It will shake you. It's saturated with the anointing of God. Here's an excerpt from it. It said, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. The pulpit can be a shop window to display one's talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off poverty-stricken as the church is today in many things. She is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organizers but few agonizers. We have many players and and payers but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many riders but few fighters. Failing here we fail everywhere. There are Two prerequisites for successful Christian living that are vision and passion, both are which are born and maintained in the place of prayer. Yes. 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 To understand what prayer is, we have to first start with what prayer is not. The first thing that I want to tell you is prayer is not a formal presentation. And I want to go back on what I was just talking to you on. Many times we get prayer mixed up because we've heard too many people pray. Let me ask you this. Why are we listening to people pray when they ain't talking to us? I'm talking about listening for the idea of comparing yourself to how they pray. My God, I feel God calling people to prayer. But... Prayer is never a formal presentation. There is no script. There is no manuscript. There is, it is your heart being poured out to God. There is no certain way to pray other than to pray with faith. Believe in your heart and doubt not. And whatever things you ask, you shall receive. There, there's an understanding that it's not in what I say. It's in who I'm talking to. Prayer is not giving God a wish list either. Prayer is not creating God to be a genie in a bottle that if you just rub them just the right way, it'll show up. You only get three of them, so make them count. Prayer is not a spiritual vending machine. We don't deposit prayers and wait for God to drop out and deposit everything good that we're looking for. Prayer is not spiritual negotiation. Well, God, if you do this, I'll do this real quiet and it's because every one of you is guilty. Don't say you ain't prayed like that. I have. Now God, if you do this, I'll do this. Prayer is not a show to impress others. And prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer generates a lifestyle that you live. So, the way Jesus lived He prioritized the presence of God. He would leave the crowd early morning, go off by himself, and he would pray. He would go alone to mountains. He would go alone by the lake. He would go away. Even people were left looking for him. But he was eliminating distractions so that he could give himself to pray. So how did Jesus prioritize prayer? When did he pray? I could go through and read probably all 55 places that he prayed, but I won't because I don't want to bore you, but I'm going to rattle some off. At his baptism, Luke 3. In the morning before heading to, to Galilee, Mark one, after healing people, Luke five, all night before choosing his disciples, Luke six, while speaking to the Jewish leaders, Matthew eleven, giving thanks to the Father before feeding the five thousand, John six, Matthew, Matthew fourteen, Mark six, Luke nine, before walking on water, Matthew fourteen, while healing a deaf and mute man, Mark seven, giving thanks to the Father before feeding the four thousand, Matthew fifteen, before Peter called Jesus the Christ in Luke nine. At the transfiguration, Luke 9. Before the resurrection of Lazarus in, in, in John 11. It goes on and on and on. Jesus was a constant man of prayer. If we want to do what Jesus did, then we have to live a life like Jesus lived. Yes. Amen. Prayer. So where is the first place it's mentioned? Genesis 4 and 26 says that men began to call on the name of Jesus the lord that's the first time that prayer is mentioned that men began to call on the name of the lord four chapters later men begin to call on the name of the lord watch this watch this the word call in this context is the hebrew word gara which may be translated any number of ways but for example it means to call to call out to shout to recite to proclaim to summon so here it is in the expression of, of deep dependence and trust it is a it is a call for help and the bible says in the first in the first uh, uh, recorded place of prayer in the bible that men began to declare their dependence they began to summon god they began to call on him in such a way that they were begging for him to come. And so from that point on, men began to summon God through prayer for strength, for direction, for physical and spirit, in their spiritual lives. Genesis 4, 26. It's amazing that here we are still today. And guess what? We're still calling on the name of the Lord. Many people don't pray simply because they say they don't have time to pray. Let me tell you something. You don't have time to not pray. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I got three kids. Okay, watch. Find a certain place. You're like, I got no place. They're everywhere. Go to the bathroom. Three kids. I know. You got four minutes before fingers start coming up under the door. Mommy, daddy, daddy, daddy. Take the four minutes and go in. Pour your heart out to God. You don't have time because you don't make time. I, tell you, I tell, say this a lot. You think you ain't got time? Check your screen time. Go into your settings. Say screen time. Tell me you ain't got time to pray. Let the chips fall where they will. Matthew 6 says that he went to a secluded place. I want you to understand that you have to get alone. You have to get alone. If you're going to be a person of prayer, then you've got to understand the power of getting alone. I think uh, in this world so many of us were were looking for a- attraction we're, 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 we're desiring to be seen we're, we, we're wanting to be needed we're, we're looking for the notification to show up on the phone we're seeing how many likes are on the Facebook post we're watching the hearts come up on the Instagram post but, but see contrary to the kingdom of God he's saying I want you to get alone and we're living in a world that's saying I want your attention and so here what you realize is you're not going to have time for prayer and time to be accepted, loved and celebrated by everybody in your life if you're going to be a person of prayer, you've got to learn how to ghost. Be like, he ghosted me. Yeah. Because there's things that matter in life more than you. Some of you need to say that. There's things that matter in your life more than whatever is holding you back and stopping you from the moments of intimacy with him. Because let me tell you something intimacy is never accidental. You'll never get close to a friend or a spouse without time together. <sighs> Let's see where I want to wrap this thing up at. Let's do this. Brooke, you can come onto the keys. I just want keys at, uh, at this moment here. Jesus is about to be baptized, and Matthew chapter 3 records the story. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins... The world, and as Jesus is baptized, he's laid down, and he's brought up, and it's the first time in Scripture that God goes public with His love for Jesus. And the Bible says that God spoke, and He said, "This is My beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." And the Bible says that the Spirit, like a dove came and rested on him. And I think it's so powerful when you understand the significance that the Bible says in the Holy Spirit as a dove rested upon him. Because if there's something you need to know about doves is a dove will never land on a moving object. You'll never see a dove come in light on a moving train. You'll never see a dove come and land even on a moving person. See, and I I believe that it's in this moment that we understand that the Holy Spirit rests on those that are willing to get still. Stand with me all over this room. See, what would happen if we got still long enough to not just have a conversation with God, but so that God could talk back to us. Many of us look to spiritual leaders for direction and discernment. And while that's good, and God gives godly counsel. I wonder if we don't sometimes look at spiritual leaders as the Burger King of the kingdom. That we just pull through their lives and say, hey, what's the Lord saying? I, I, I want to do this. Should I do this? And a lot of times my response is like, have you prayed about it? Because the same God that's going to give me godly counsel, oh, this ain't popular preaching, but it's okay, is the same God that is longing for communion and communication with you. Have you not gotten still long enough for the dove to tell you and declare over you and show you what his plan is? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased will never land on something that's moving maybe god's not moving because we're too busy moving maybe we're too distracted maybe we're not confident enough or maybe we're just lacking faith i think a lot of times all too often in our lives we tv dinnerize prayer in other words we think prayer is something for church The Bible paints a completely different picture. You know, we like to put our job here, our family here, our finances here. What would happen if you prayed about everything? Matter of fact, the Bible says exactly that. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, Never stop praying. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. See, prayer is not just getting alone to talk to God. It's so much more. Prayer is living in God's presence, breathing in God's grace, hearing God's whisper, and enjoying the power and experiencing that grace that He's declaring over your life. Two scriptures I'm going to leave you with tonight. John 5 and 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. I'm sorry, that's 1 John. Y'all said John 5 and 14. 1 John 5 and 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What a powerful statement. Some of you have been praying and saying, I don't know if God hears me. No, let me ask you something. Are you praying according to his will? See, Jesus didn't know necessarily what to pray in the garden because of the fact that he said, nonetheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. See, some of us, we just need to pray a prayer that says, God, not my will. It's not what I want, God. It's what you want. And here's an amazing thing. When you pray that the Bible just said it's guaranteed that he hears it. What if you just got up every morning and said, God, today, not my will, but your will. That is his will. How do you know his will? His will is his word. Watch this? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and I'm done. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all that He has done. Watch verse 7. Then, somebody say then. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Some of you are praying about things that you're anxious about, but really what you need to do is just pray, And then be thankful. Watch, it's a recipe. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, and presenting your request to God says that it causes the peace of God to be released. You're praying over situations that if you would just begin to thank God in the midst of it while praying, saying, God, I thank you. God, I don't care what the doctor's report said. God, I don't care what they said about me. God, I don't care what the paycheck looked. God, I'm thankful. God, you're good. I'm going to give you praise. And it says, then, 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 the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So watch this. Why is our world so absent of peace? Because our world is so absent of prayer. No prayer, no peace. No prayer, K N O W, no peace. K N O W. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that our hearts would be stirred to a Genesis 4 experience take us back God to where men call on the name of the Lord revive our hearts again God to be people of prayer setting aside places and spaces that will be totally committed to seek your face God that we would make our requests known to you and God no matter what we're going through God that we would be transparent because you already know it and God we would pour out our heart to you in such a way that you would move bring peace God and bring peace and bring peace you're here tonight I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to pray for yourself. This is what I want you to do. This altar is open. And watch this. If you need prayer, (laughs) if you need prayer, I want you to come and pray. And I want you to pray for yourself. And I want you to pour out your heart before God. I want you to tell God how you really feel. I want you to tell God what you're really going through. Because He already knows it. Come, 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 come. Hallelujah. 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 And this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He hears us. He hears us. us. God, not my will, but your will tonight. God, not my will for Dominion Church, but your will for Dominion Church. God, not my will for my marriage, but your will. God, not my will for my kids, but your will. God, not my will for my job, but your will, God. Would you come and pray that we would be a people of prayer set aside in this place right now, and that you will not expect anybody to pray for you, but you're going to pray for you. You're going to get real with God. You're going to get serious with God, and you're going to pour your heart out to God for whatever you have. And the Bible says that there is a promise that when we pray and we offer up thanksgiving, we present our requests to God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You can come here in prayer and leave here in peace. Hallelujah.